0: My dad died. I miss my friends because of...
1: I don't know how to tell my friends that.
0: I want to help my friends. I don't know how. The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely.
1: How can I best support students in my class?
0: The morning meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is The Morning Meeting. Hello and welcome to The Morning Meeting. I am your host, Mandy Zucker. Today we're going to be talking to Leah Carey. She's a sex and intimacy coach and the host of a podcast called Good Girls Talk About Sex. She works with women to move beyond laying back and accepting whatever their partner does to them into being equal co-creators of their sexual experience. She offers group coaching, individual coaching, and PJ parties for grown-ups, where she leads you through an evening of chatting about sex with your best girlfriends. I'm excited to talk to her today about the experience of college students, sex, and a pandemic. So Leah, thank you so much for coming on the Morning Meeting podcast today. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk to you, and I have to be honest, a little nervous that that is appropriate <laughs> um, I always feel like death is one of those topics that people avoid. Um, I think sex might be either bigger or at least equal to the um avoidance factor with death. <laughs>
1: I completely agree, and as as I've told you before, I before I moved into the sexuality realm, I spent a year looking at death. Yeah. So, <laughs> I apparently have a thing for the taboo <laughs> subjects.
0: <laughs> well, good. We're gonna. I mean, so you know, just to prepare everyone, we're going there. We're going to talk about sex and death today. Um, so I'm really excited about it. I've actually been feeling like this is such an important topic. Always, but I feel like um, in the middle of this pandemic, even more so because so many people are just lacking, you know, connection, emotional connection, physical connection. Um, and I think it's a really important thing to talk about. So thank you for uh I could on. not agree more. <laughs> I
1: absolutely feel that deep
0: in the deep of me. <laughs> So why don't we just start with a little bit of background? You said before you got into the realm of sexuality, you were really uh, exploring death. Why don't you tell us all a little bit about what that was about?
1: Oh, sure. So um, my mom was my very best friend in the world. And, uh, you know, we spoke multiple times a day <laughs> and we lived about 10 minutes from each other. So we saw each other several times a week. We were very, very close. Um In 2013, she was diagnosed with cancer. I was her companion through the cancer journey, um, along with her best friend. We called ourselves the Three Musketeers. (laughs) Um, And that went on for two years. One of the most beautiful things she ever said to me was right at the very beginning when she was first diagnosed, because she knew that I was devastated. Um, She said, I don't want you to hide anything from me. I want you to cry with me. I want you to get angry with me. I want you to do all of that with me. So I didn't have to wait to grieve until after she was gone. I got to do a lot of my grieving with her.
0: Wow.
1: Um, And that was an incredible gift. Um, Right at the end of her life, we had a really difficult experience with hospice. Uh, which I know is very unusual. So this is in no way a suggestion that anybody not go there. Our particular situation, we had a difficult experience that left me really angry because I wanted her to have an amazing end of life experience. I just wanted that for all of us um, and we didn't get it. And I was working as a journalist for a newspaper at the time and I went to them and I said, first I said, I want to burn the hospice down. (laughs) Thankfully I took a breath <laughs> there. And um ultimately I went to my editor and I said I'd like to do a year-long exploration of how we help our loved ones to die. And they basically gave me carte blanche to do whatever I wanted for a year. It was 26 articles over the course of a year um and it was an amazing healing experience for me mm-hmm. but i decided to put that aside and take 6 months to a year to just go travel the united states and sort of put everything aside i i inherited some money from my mom that allowed me to do this um and just go out and explore and what that turned into much to my surprise. I never would have expected this. And had I known it was coming, I would have stayed under the covers in my bed. (laughs) 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 But I ended up at age 42, having this incredible journey of sexual healing and sexual awakening that I had never had earlier in my life. Wow. And so it is very much thanks to my mom And her gift to me of owning her home that I was able to sell, Mm -hmm. that I got to go out and have this incredible experience around sexuality and now do the work that I'm doing today. So while it's a great joy to me, the work that I'm doing today, it is also tied up in a lot of grief because
0: if my mom hadn't passed, I never would have gone on that journey. Wow. That's so interesting. Most of us don't thank our parents for sexual awakenings. (laughs) Right?
1: (laughs) Well, I get to thank my dad for my sexual
0: repression. So I feel like the balance is out. (laughs) So before we really get into it, just tell us what are you doing right now? So you said that, you know, um, you went on this trip for a year. And um, so what do you do? I know you have a podcast. That's how I found you. Yes. So my podcast is called Good Girls Talk About Sex,
1: mm-hmm. and I interview women about their sex lives. Mm-hmm. I interview them about their sexual histories and what turns them on and, you know, whether they have hair down there or not. You know, all this stuff that we want to ask each other, but we don't. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and then I also do coaching. Um, one-on-one coaching, group coaching. I facilitate um, PJ parties for grown-ups where mm-hmm. we can all just get together and talk about sex and ask the questions and giggle about the things that, you know, we maybe don't get to giggle about. Um, and just generally, my goal is to make sex a much more approachable topic for those of us who, like me, were brought up to be quote-unquote good girls. Who were taught that you know, um, take care of everybody else first, make sure that everyone's needs are taken care of before you think about yourself, and you know pro tip nobody's needs are ever taken care of, which means there's actually never time for us to think about ourselves um, under that paradigm, and also that um that we are worthy of love and attention in the bodies that we're living in right now Mm. not after we lose 10 pounds not after we get the facelift or whatever the thing is or get the new boots whatever it is (laughs) like there are people who want to love you in the body that you're in right now and you are worthy of that Mm. so that's the that's the work that
0: I'm doing now Excellent. Well, I'm going to, before we leave, I'll ask you how people get can get in touch with you. Um, but for the moment, I was really interested. There's two things, I guess, that I really wanted to talk to you about today. So the first is um, in the middle of this pandemic, and, you know, my uh, audience is mostly college students and people that are supporting college students, yeah. uh, which happens to be an age where People are exploring their sexuality and having lots of sex. So I wanted to talk about that and how do we stay connected to people, to our partners um, in the middle of a pandemic, Mm -hmm. um, both emotionally and logistically. And I thought that those were two things that we could really talk about. I also think um, death brings out um, all of our needs, you know, Um, we say frequently that people who are grieving are needy, um, as if that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see that as a bad thing. We we have needs. That's what being needy means. Um, but it also brings out some sexual needs. And I thought maybe we could just talk a little bit about, you know, normalizing that because sometimes wow. people are surprised about how, uh, you know, how much they desire sex after somebody's died. Um, and they're curious about that. So yeah, we can kind of cover those things today. I love it. I love all of it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so why don't we start first with, um, you know, just the, the connection, the lack of connection that people are experiencing right now in this pandemic. And yes. how do we continue that, um, you know, in a sexual realm in the middle of a pandemic when we're not supposed to be six feet, you know, close <laughs> to each other? Right. So
1: let's start um, sort of at the beginning, which is that every one of us has a basic touch need. Um, If you think about it in terms of babies, when a baby comes out into the world, they need to be held. It's what creates the connections, the synapses. I don't know all the technical jargon, but the connections inside their brains Mm -hmm. are facilitated by human touch. Well, by touch in general. I'm sure that your cat or your dog is also doing something <laughs> great in that realm, too. Sure. But, um, but by touch with living things. Um, when babies don't get the touch they need, they very often go into, um, into a state called failure to thrive which means that their brains are not creating the connections, their bodies are not producing the chemicals and they go into a suboptimal space. Right. And and so we can see from that, that touch is a very basic human need. We sort of, I mean, I we probably don't think about it in any conscious way whatsoever, but I think the assumption is, oh, well, at some point babies grow out of that like you grow up and you just don't need as much. You know, maybe kids like to cuddle, but then like you get to eight or 10 years old and you're like, stop holding my hand. I don't want to hug you, that kind of thing. So those are very societal things that happen. We hear that, oh, it's not cool to hold hands with your parents because then you're a baby, you're a sissy, whatever. But that basic touch, need, does not go away. So then, like, look forward to um, adults. Say a person who's in confinement uh, in some sort of prison or other um, other confined area. People who are in solitary confinement, there is a significant tendency for them to lose some contact with rational thinking. For them to really go into an altered space, and the literature suggests that. Obviously, there are lots of reasons for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but a huge part of that is that they're not getting any human touch. So this doesn't just go away. Right. Okay, so here we are in a pandemic where we're told to stay six feet away from everybody. That doesn't change the fact that we have this basic human need right. Right, for touch. Um, you know, Brene Brown tells us that we are wired for connection. Mm-hmm. So um so people might hear that and be like, oh, she's advocating for me to go out and like just get it on with the first person I see. No, I'm not saying that at all. (laughs) I want you to be safe. I also want you to get your basic human touch needs taken care of. So if we're talking about young people in college, um, you know, we see lots of news stories about parties and Whatever that's happening. um, I hope that you're not doing that. I hope that you are taking your health seriously. I also want you to get the touch that you need in order to stay emotionally healthy. One way to do that is to get a pandemic buddy, Um, to find somebody who also feels the need for touch, somebody who you can enjoy spending some time with Um, and to have a conversation with them right up front and say, I am looking for a pandemic buddy. This is not necessarily the beginning of, you know, the great love affair. Yes. Just be right up front with them Mm -hmm. so that nobody's creating any unnecessary expectations. I want somebody to cuddle with. I want somebody to watch movies with. I want somebody to you know, rub my feet and I'll rub your back. Or if you feel like you want that to include sexuality, great. I want to have somebody to have sex with. Sort of lay out what your parameters are and make sure that this person is in line with your parameters.
0: So you're also going to have the talk about who else are you having sex with or just hanging out with in, you know, who are you in close proximity with? Who's in your bubble? Exactly. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And if you say, I want to have a pandemic buddy and like, let's do this to the end of the school year, but then no specific expectations for what's going to happen after that. And you get a response from somebody that looks like, oh, I was really hoping for a relationship. That is a warning sign. Not that that person is bad, not that they're needy, not anything, just that you have mismatched expectations. Right. Right. It's really important to go into something with clear communication, clear boundaries, not to say that things won't change. Mm -hmm. Maybe you both go into it saying, yes, this is a pandemic buddy thing. And at the end, we're going to go our separate ways. And maybe you fall in love. Yep. Or maybe you
0: discover after three weeks that you really can't stand each other. (laughs) I need a different pandemic, buddy.
1: Exactly. All of that is okay Mm -hmm. as long as you're upfront and communicating
0: about it as you go. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, I've read some articles about exactly about that where they, you know, the first thing they say is you are your safest sex partner. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can also get the uh, touch that you need from yourself. We can get a sexual release from ourselves.
1: Okay. You can't necessarily get the sort of touch that feeds your touch hunger okay. from yourself. You can't effectively cuddle yourself. True. But if you don't have access, let's say you're immunocompromised mm-hmm. and another person is just not on the table for you, you can get that from a pet, from a cat or a dog. Or, if you're allergic to those, I'm not actually sure what the non-allergenic pets are. <laughs> I don't have pets, so <laughs> but maybe a bird. Right. <laughs> you know, like it, there are other living beings mm-hmm. that you can bring into an immunocompromised situation um if if that's necessary. Um, other things that you could do, get a body pillow, get a heated blanket. So I in fact uh, my partner was just telling me last night that he saw an ad on Instagram for a a heated weighted blanket and I thought that's brilliant like we need that. <laughs> Get a heated weighted blanket. Get something that helps you to feel comfy and cozy. Hug the body pillow and then call somebody who loves you. Whether it's your parent, whether it's your best friend, whatever and have them Talk to you. Say the words of loving affirmation that you need to hear while you cuddle the body pillow, while you have the blanket over you. Um, it's not going to be the same. It's right, getting real human touch. Like I'm, I don't want to make any promises that are not fulfillable. It's not the same, but it's closer. And it can fill some of that need to hear somebody telling you warm, loving words while you're getting that
0: sort of physical experience of being held. Yes. It's interesting because certainly I've never thought about that, but I also can remember times where I got in bed and got under the blanket and I'm all cozy and I make the call to the friend, to the parent, you know, you do feel like you're more supported in a safe space and cozy up. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Inner Harbor, providing grief support to students and those that support them. Find us at www.inner-harbor.org. If you're going to have sex with multiple partners, if you're not going to be, if you're not going to have one partner where you know where each of you have been, Mm -hmm. um, what are some things that people should be thinking about with sex partners? So it's really important to have a conversation with somebody before you
1: have sex with them. Now, I understand that for a lot of people, that sounds like the last thing they want to (laughs) do. They just want to like, okay, take off your clothes. Let's have the interaction. And then, you know, we may or may not ever see each other again. Like that is not unusual. And I don't want to stigmatize that for, especially for people who are younger. I, I don't actually think there's anything wrong with that. But in this particular moment in time, there are some really significant added risks to that. Mm -hmm. So regardless of whether we're in a pandemic or not, there needs to be a conversation before you have sex with anyone where you talk about what your STI status is. Mm -hmm. Um, you should be getting, if you have multiple sex partners, you should be getting tested regularly at least once every six months. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you get pushback from your medical services about why are you getting tested so often, you just tell them I have multiple
0: sex partners. And are um, you talking when you say tested? Are you talking about for sexually transmitted illnesses, or are you talking about COVID testing? So uh, right now,
1: I'm talking about STIs, sexually right. transmitted in- illnesses. You know, herpes. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know the the panel. Yeah. Um, and. Then, um, so you need to know what your status is. Again, no judgment if anything comes back positive, but you need to know what your treatment course is and be willing and ready to talk about that with people so that they can make an informed, they can give informed consent and know what they are consenting to. Um, So that's going to be anytime you have sex with anybody. Um, Also, you want to know, what their turn-ons and turn-offs are so that you don't do something that scares them in sure. bed or that it just pushes back past their boundaries. And by learning their turn-ons, you get to be even better in bed. You know, so like some basic conversation that happens before any sexual encounter. Now, during COVID, we also need to add in who's in your COVID bubble. B- bubble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. How many people are you seeing with and without a mask? Um, What are your risk factors? And when was the last time you were tested? Mm -hmm. So And be prepared to answer those questions yourself so that you have as much information as possible to make an informed decision. The decision that you make is entirely up to you. Mm -hmm. But you need to make an informed decision. I am not advocating in this moment for going out and sleeping with a lot of people. I just think that in this moment in time, public health is more important than individual uh, sexual pleasure. Mm -hmm. But I also know that people are going to do it. (laughs) You know, that's, that's just the world we live in. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you're going to do it, I want you to be as safe as possible and, really take care of yourself in doing that. Yep.
0: I did read some, um, some interesting articles that talk about, you know, creative positions um, that can make it safer if you're going to have sex with somebody who is not in your bubble. Mm -hmm. Um, One of the things that I thought was interesting, the first thing was, and kind of obvious, I guess, is don't kiss. Like right. keep your mouth as far apart as you possibly can. <laughs> um, but I just thought like there are things, you know, if you're going to have sex, um, there are ways to, you know, to, to be more creative potentially than you may have been pre-COVID and and also safer. You know, it's so funny is uh, so information
1: has changed as this whole thing has progressed. At the very beginning, um, there was a lot of conversation in my circles of sex educators that information was coming out that said that they thought that uh, the COVID virus was present in semen, Mm. so you shouldn't give blowjobs. And then that information seems to have changed because at some point, I think it was New York City put out some You know guidelines for safer sex, and they included glory holes, which are basically you know the hole in the wall where one person stands on one side and puts penis through, and the other person sucks from the other side. So you know, even the New York City Health Department is suggesting glory holes.
0: (laughs) Thank you, because I had never heard of a glory hole. So thank you for that education. You're so welcome. So uh, yeah, I mean, it, choose positions. If
1: if you're with somebody who's not in your bubble, and you're going to keep your masks on, choose positions where you're not face to face.
0: Some of the other things that I really wanted to talk about, and I don't know, um, you know, if this was your experience or if you know people that have gone through this, but when people are grieving, which so many of us are right now. Um, there's been some research that suggests that people are actually more sexually active or that they desire sex more when they're grieving. I don't know if you have um, read that research or so I have not read that particular research, but I can say this
1: um, you know, going back to touch need, yeah, when we're grieving, very often, our touch need goes up. Because it's a way to calm our systems, our physical mm-hmm. systems. So, you know, there's a cliche about people uh, having, hooking up at, uh, at funerals. Funerals, yep. Totally. And there's an un, there's a reason why. It's actually, people look at that and they're like, oh, that's so disgusting. Like, that's totally sacrilegious. It actually makes a ton of sense because people are dealing with this increased touch need to soothe their, um, their nervous systems. And the other thing is that I think the general assumption is that if you're fearful, angry, sad, grieving, whatever, if you're in any of those difficult emotions, that your libido will go down. That's not actually necessarily true. For some people, it will go down. It is equally as normal. For people's libidos to shoot up because that is their way again to self soothe, yeah, to take care of themselves and their nervous systems. So, um, the way that this becomes difficult is if you're in a relationship in a committed relationship where one person's libido shoots up and the other ones goes drastically down that, that can create a lot of conflict with each person thinking that the other person is crazy or pervy or frigid or whatever the words are. Um, but so it's, I think it's really important for people to hear that it is just as normal for people's sex drives, libidos to go up as it is for them to go down or remain static, you know, remain just the same.
0: Sure. It makes perfect sense to me when you think about it. Like, um, when somebody dies, you want to feel alive and connected to someone. And sex can provide that for so many people. So it does make sense that you would want to feel that connection to someone.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, um, yeah, I'm glad to normalize that conversation because I think that's There's so much stigma around, you know, uh, sex drives in general and what's the normal amount that you're supposed to want. And after a death, when there's already, uh, you know, you feel so vulnerable already, Mm -hmm. um, to have a change in libido can be really lonely. Yeah, uh, lonely and unsettling. Mm -hmm. For sure. How are you taking care of yourself in the middle of this (laughs) pandemic?
1: Uh, some days better than others. <laughs> okay. Some days really not well at all. Okay. Um, the as we're recording this, um, the anniversary of my mom's death is coming up uh at the end of this week. Uh the fifth anniversary. It feels both like it has been so long since I last saw her and like it was just a few weeks ago. Um, so right now I'm actually in a wave of grief. Mm-hmm. Um I sort of feel like my brain is Swiss cheese and I'm in a fog a lot of the time and not very effective. Um, So just kind of allowing myself to be in that space and doing my very best to not judge myself. That's part of my self care right now. Um, I watch a lot of TV. (laughs) Um, I, I have a partner, he and I cuddle a lot. Um, Both of us have taken a hit to our libidos during COVID. So thankfully, both of our libidos went in the same direction. Um, Neither of us are looking at that as a problem. (laughs) Um, So we cuddle a lot, and that's where I get my skin-to-skin touch needs taken care of. And I'm very grateful that that doesn't come with an accompanying uh, push for intercourse because that's just you know I want it sometimes but not not like I would in the past right um and the other thing I started doing is um I started doing paint by numbers oh fun (laughs) which is really really fun um I yeah it turns out to be quite wonderful actually (laughs) uh there are tons of paint by numbers for adults online now
0: yeah Um, there are Yeah. Oh, that's great. I have to say, I'm just so happy to have this conversation because, um, you know, in my work, I talk a lot about self-care and I've actually commented to colleagues in the past that, you know, frequently I'll ask people, what have you been doing to take good care of yourself? Sex, cuddling, touch never comes Mm up. And I know it's not because it's not happening. It's that people feel like they can't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But it is such an important piece of taking good care of yourself. And yeah. I hope that one more person, just from listening to this podcast, feels like they can talk about that because it is, it's is—it's such an important piece of our self-care and um, how we can you know, soothe ourselves, make ourselves feel good, connect to others. So yeah,
1: I know that there are a lot of women who are in our generation, so the... The mothers (laughs) of the college students who might be (laughs) listening, whose response to that is, I would love to cuddle more, but I can't because it always ends up in a demand for sex or it just always goes to sex. Um, I I want you to hear, first of all, that you're not alone, that that is actually really frequent and um, that you're not too needy. You're not being selfish by wanting the cuddling without the sex, Cuddling and sex are actually two really different activities that because of our cultural conditioning, we have sort of glommed into one uh, one ball. Right. Um, I have a whole soapbox I could get onto about this <laughs> that has to do with, specifically with how little boys are conditioned. Mm. That we don't give little, once they're beyond like age eight or 10, we don't give little boys very much touch except in the realm of sports or sex. Mm. And so we have not given little boys the same vocabulary of touch that little girls get. Um, Think about PJ parties. You would go and you would brush each other's hair, you would do each other's nails, you would do each other's makeup. Like we have a very wide vocabulary of touch outside of just sex. Little boys don't get that. Mm. And so when they grow up into adult men, they, for them, all touch, all intimate touch immediately leads to sex because they've never been given the vocabulary to understand that there is something else that that there can be something in between. So if you are one of those people who wants more touch with your partner but but also wants it to not be sexual touch, um, you can have a conversation with your partner about, I need us to separate these two things. I need us to cuddle sometimes with the understanding that it's not going to lead anywhere. And then there are other times when we can cuddle and have that lead to sex, or we can just move cuddling into the completely non-sexual zone for a while if that will help uh, will help the male partner to uh, and I apologize that this is all so heteronormative, but that's kind of where we live in our culture right now. Um, but that will allow the male partner to move move cuddling in a into a different category until they can fully really understand that it can be its own, joyful experience it can be its own self-contained experience without it having to lead immediately to sex yes thank you for that you're welcome
0: (laughs) um if people have more questions i know that um the podcast good girls talk about sex is i've listened to it it's very interesting and also entertaining and um i've enjoyed it but if people would like to just talk to you how can they reach out to you
1: yeah, so um my website is dot Um the website for the podcast is goodgirlstalk.com. Mm-hmm. Um and you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, uh, Facebook. You can find me in all the places at goodgirls talk. Um, I do these adult PJ parties specifically so that we can have these conversations and normalize uh these things and um and so all of that information is on the website as well. And and I
0: do one-on-one coaching and group coaching and all of that. Um, the PJ parties, are they virtual at this point? They are absolutely virtual. So anybody yeah. can find you because you're yeah. not local to me, but um, mm-hmm. people can find you from all over now.
1: Yes. Uh, so we do them on Zoom. It's a two-hour get-together where you get to wear your PJs just like I'm doing right now, even though people (laughs) can't see me Uh, because I've sort of gotten to the point where there's nothing in life. That's really so important. I shouldn't be able to wear PJs (laughs) at least during COVID. Um, and, uh, yeah, two hours on zoom and, you know, bring your hot chocolate or your favorite cocktail and we just get you know, just have the girlfriends get her, get together and talk. And, uh, You can book it with a group of girlfriends or you can join a group where you don't know anybody. So you can really like let it all fly and not worry (laughs) about anybody knowing. That's great. That sounds great. I really appreciate you having this conversation because I do a lot of interviews, but I've never had this conversation on any of them. So I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you, Leah, for coming on the show today. I have to say, this has been a conversation I've been wanting to have, but I've been nervous to have for a long time. And I'm glad that I was able to have it with you. I also want to thank, as always, Stephen Bluestein for audio production. Next week, I have a really interesting guest coming to you from Israel. Her name is Rebecca Saltzman. She's a personal organizer, and she's recently written a book about the rituals and traditions around death and dying in the Jewish tradition. I'm really excited to talk to her, and I hope it will be a learning experience for many of you. So tune in next week. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.